Hello and welcome to the Financial Independence UK podcast. Join your hosts, Tom and Alex, as we talk about wealth creation, financial planning and personal development, specifically for the UK. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Financial Independence UK podcast. This is episode five, and we're going to be covering lifestyle inflation. My name's Tom. I'm here with my co-host, Alex. Say hello, Alex. Hello. And quite excited for this episode. Me and Alex often have these sort of conversations. We talk about people that we know in real life, at work, or some of our friends. We talk about what lifestyle inflation is, how it's affecting people that we know. So we thought we'd make for a good, interesting episode. Yeah, we did. I think it's it's something that impacts people uh, a bit surreptitiously. It can kind of sneak up on you when you kind of you're working kind of for a living, and you obviously you have bills and commitments to meet financially. It can be very very simple to inflate your outgoings, and by that we mean your expenses rise with your income. So when you get a raise or a promotion, or you switch jobs for more money, um, you can end up spending more money because you simply have more money available and there's always the next new shiny thing which is available to you as an upgrade as offered by lots of uh, companies and services. Um, so Tom and I are just going to delve a little bit into it, kind of discuss our thoughts on it. Uh, we'll also offer some tips as to how you can combat it uh, and some reasoning behind why both Tom and I and some other people we know in these circles uh, choose to do it. What was that word you used? Surreptitiously? Surreptitious. Uh, <laughs> to sneak uh, basically something sneaks up on you uh, without you knowing. Wow, okay. That yeah. is, so if you're a surreptitiously sneaky ninja, you'd be very good at it. Uh, <laughs> if you weren't, you'd be rubbish. Have you ever used that in real conversation? Every day. <laughs> okay, yeah. So um, as Alex say, he quickly defined what lifestyle inflation was. We're talking about when you get a pay rise of, say, £100 a month and you start spending £100 a month extra, that is exactly what lifestyle inflation is where it's not just inflation itself, which is going to gradually increase your spending, it's you are actively looking to increase your spending as well. So how does this affect you? Well, for people like us who aren't just into personal finance, but we're into a slightly more hardcore style, that is financial independence. What this is going to do is it's going to increase your spending and decrease your saving. So it reduces the percentage of your saving in relation to your income. So let's say you save 50% of your income and you earn £2,000 a year, you'd be saving £1,000. Sorry, <laughs> you earn £2,000 a month and you'd be saving £1,000 a month at that at that level. Uh, if you earn an extra £500, then you'll earn £2,500. And if you spend that, you'll certainly be saving £1,000, which drops to 40% of the two and a half grand total. So it's going to massively impact your retirement age based on how much you're saving as a proportion of your income. Yeah, agreed. I mean, times that over, say, a career with perhaps a number of careers or a number of kind of years of experience, your wages are expected to increase. Um, and if you keep literally inflating, uh, I always think of it like a balloon. You, you can inflate it and inflate it and inflate it. Gets to a particular level that you actually require and you need. Uh, and then sooner or later, it will explode. So, I mean, by explode, I generally means everything comes crashing down and you end up saddled with lots of debt. We've covered that debt's obviously not a good thing, something Tom and I both actively try and avoid uh, where possible, uh, well, almost actually in all circumstances. Um, so 
it can be very difficult, even if you've done the maths and you've worked out a percentage of your savings rate to try and reach financial independence, it can it can sneak up on you. Um, so if you begin saving a particular amount, that will reduce over time if your lifestyle inflates. Uh, it can be very difficult to avoid. There's always temptation. And I think the way that there are many ways to kind of combat that, um, which we'll discuss a little bit later. But I think it's something you do need to be acutely aware of because there's always there's always kind of things, items, services that you can purchase with the belief that they will make your life better for many reasons. Chief among those, I think, will be, I worked really hard, so I deserve this thing, object, service to make my life easier. And to be fair, you do. You have worked really hard and you do deserve stuff to make your life easier. But I think it's weighing up whether it's worth the financial commitment to the service you're getting. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's one thing you hinted at there, which is key to financial independence, and that is selecting your lifestyle and then figuring out how much that's going to cost rather than seeing how much money you have and then picking the lifestyle based on that. So, you know, if you can work out that you can live off, say, a thousand pounds a month and you earn four thousand pounds a month, then still only live on a thousand pounds a month. And everything else on top of that is, is completely supplementary, whether that is you earn 300 quid above what you need or whether you earn like three grand above what you need. It's about picking a lifestyle, sticking to it, and then eventually the money you've saved will be able to pay for that lifestyle perpetually. Agreed, yeah. And I think it's a key part of that and part of the understanding of the process about kind of battling this lifestyle inflation is understanding what you actually need to survive, not what you want to have to survive. Because you can always find avenues to spend your money. There'll always be somebody who's richer than you, unless you're well, Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates. You can always find something to spend your money on. And I noticed um, whilst listening to a similar podcast a while ago that if you think about £10 in your childhood, that would buy you an awful lot of toys, an awful lot of sweets. But £10 when you're in your mid-20s might get you two pints wherever you live. Um, so the ability for that money to buy you what you previously needed used to be really good. It kind of declines over time, which is inflation at work in itself. And I think it's it's a very difficult thing to avoid. There are a lot of um, pressures in modern life to have particular things, to look a certain way, to be able to fit in with perhaps your peer group or other um, other factors, kind of your career, if you're expected to look a particular way or where you live. What's normal for your area of where you live? What's normal for your social circle? Is it normal for you guys to go out every Friday evening and spend 50 quid in the pub? Or do you choose to save that money and then end up having, you can retire a couple of years earlier than perhaps you'd originally planned, which is, can be an interesting thing. It does divide a lot of people. Some people I've met, spoken to are very much in the camp of, I worked really hard, therefore I deserve whatever uh, they're trying to justify either to me or themselves. So I wonder, Tom, have you encountered people kind of where you work or in your social circle that have similar thoughts or are they very much on this kind of a similar path to you and me? No, I would say that most people that I know, they're aware of my interest in personal finance, but they don't really ask me too many questions. They don't really ask me for advice very often. Um, and a lot of them take the approach of, yeah, I've worked hard, so I'm, I'm going to buy this new thing you know um with the money i've saved up i could quite easily right now hop onto amazon and buy myself a pair of those like wireless apple headphones and that would be kind of useful because that wire 
is really annoying if you're in the gym or something and you keep knocking your earphones out, getting coin door handles and stuff. But I keep putting off buying them because they're like 130 quid. Now, is that going to impact my long-term wealth? No. Can I easily spend that money right now? Yes. Uh, am I going to? No. Because I just, I just don't really feel as though I need them. It would be more useful. But there are so many people in my life that wouldn't think twice about making that purchase. And they probably haven't got tens of thousands of pounds saved up. They've probably got like, I don't know, like a thousand pounds saved up. And they think that spending 10% on that on a pair of headphones is fine. And that's not to criticize that decision, but it's just making you aware of what choices you're making and how they are impacting your future financial self. And weirdly, I've got the exact opposite kind of as a, as a story. And it happened to me uh, today, in fact, about four hours ago. I did. I, I purchased uh, something today for £135. And it's a robot Hoover because I've been thinking about it for at least two months. Uh, and like Tom, I've put, put off the decision, do I really need it? It's quite a lot of money. Do I kind of take the plunge and buy whatever item? And because I've been thinking about it for two months, I've been thinking about whether it would be useful. It A, would save me time. Don't enjoy sweeping. We've got lots of hard floors in this house and a dog that likes to shed hair. So we sweep at least once, if not twice a day. And we're currently both working. So a lot of our time is taken up out of the house. Um, So I figured we could either pay a cleaner, £15 an hour perhaps in the southeast, or we can get a robot hoover to do most of those things for us. So I weighed it up. Um, It's, I don't know, eight or nine hours of paying a cleaner. Um, Or I could buy the little hoover robot thing and let it do its thing. I went through the pros and cons, and actually I value having the time back that I would have spent cleaning. It gives me more time to read, uh, more time to think about future podcast episodes, generally do stuff that I enjoy. I don't enjoy pushing a broom around. So for me, spending that money is is worth it. I don't need a pair of unwired headphones, so I, I wouldn't buy those. But this Hoover, hopefully, will uh, provide more value than it costs. So that's that's an interesting thing, weirdly, Tom, that I didn't tell you that's happened today. Yeah, that is quite interesting. I wonder what I would have said if you'd have asked me about it before you bought it. I don't know. But no, that is interesting. It's good. Tell me your thoughts now. I, I think I think it's fine because, you know, I know that given your financial situation, you can easily afford a, a £100 Hoover. And I think it's good that you've you've not gone, oh, that looks super cool, and everyone else has got one, so I want one. You've looked at it and gone, oh, that can save me maybe 10 minutes a day, which added up over a couple of years is a hell of a lot of time. So I think given the fact that you've at least attempted to reason and justify it, from a logical standpoint, as opposed to, ah, oh, but I want it, then, yeah, that's fine. It's, it's got the green light. Yeah, I think it, it would save me and my future wife uh, quite a lot of time. We probably spend at least half an hour cleaning both floors of our house. So and I think if we can set the little robot thing to do that in the middle of the night, we'll always wake up to a clean house. And I think, yeah, I've, I've gone through kind of the, the process of thinking about it. Hopefully... Um, I've not just talked myself into it, which is why I delayed the purchase. Um, so I've delayed kind of that. It's not an impulse purchase. I've delayed the gratification of getting it. I didn't buy it new. It's uh, a refurbished uh, thing from eBay because it would have, the, that model retails for 269, 270 pounds or something like that. And I think for that much money, I don't know if it would have been, been worth it. But because I've obviously managed to find it for a bit less, uh, yeah, I've I've gone for it. So 
I think I think that's just an interesting thing. And I think another important point is measuring kind of how happy the purchases make you. So an impulse purchase, uh, we're going to get a bit technical, mental healthy here, but when you when you purchase something and you're expecting it to arrive, you get a hit of dopamine, which is your happy kind of receptor in your head, um, makes you feel happy to get the item. It happens when you achieve things in general. Um, but sooner or later, that happiness will disappear. It's often fleeting. And there's a concept called the hedonic treadmill, which essentially means humans um, as a population will always return back to a base level of happiness regardless of the expenditure. It was written in 2006, uh, and I'll leave um, a link to kind of the study that I've read uh, for the hedonic treadmill if you, uh, yeah, if you wish to read a little bit more about it. So I think it's, it is the purchase kind of worth that brief moment of being happy, especially if it's an impulse thing. And I wonder, Tom, what are your thoughts on kind of the, the fleeting happiness we get from impulse purchases? I think it's a massively in-depth conversation to have over Barna Hoover. Now, honestly, I think it's, yeah, it's definitely worthwhile discussion. And I think it's interesting that there are actual scientific-based studies into this sort of thing that, you know, as, as humans, we are, we are programmed to, to want. We are programmed to, to work, to build up our own money and then buy things that we want or, we're, or that we're told to want. You know, have you ever seen your friend put pictures on Instagram or something of a holiday they're on and then you've gone, oh, I could do with a holiday? Or, oh, this weather's crap. I, I want to go on holiday. And this is, you know, exactly the sort of thing that, that you can be teased into. It's, you know, it's, it's what they call uh, the, the keeping up with the Joneses. You see some, like your neighbor or your friend have something. You either want to have that too or maybe outdo them and show them that, that, that you're being successful as well. And you can afford to buy these things also. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really important point is comparison um, between what you, you have yourself um, and what you see others uh, their portrayal of their life. Um, it's funny you mentioned Instagram, which previously has been kind of worded to me like it's a highlight reel of somebody's perfect life they want to kind of portray. Um, often that will literally only be a highlight reel and the life they live day to day won't be anywhere near as flashy or as exciting as the, the stuff they put online. Uh, so that's an important kind of thing to remember that you're unconsciously for your subconscious, you're comparing what you have to somebody else's pinnacle of their living. And I think that can help, that can make people feel uh, a little bit low at times. It can, can link with kind of depressive thoughts. Um, and you're right, you'll never kind of, you, you won't be able to live like that for a prolonged period of time. It's kind of a little bit capitalist as well. There are examples of companies trying to sell you products to keep up with the brand new shiny thing that does something the previous product doesn't do a, a good example of this would be mobile phone the mobile phone the technical industry um they generally release a new a new model every year or every two years uh, and effectively their advertising states that the old one we sold you for quite a lot of money a while ago now isn't very good you definitely absolutely 100 percent need our new shiny model and i think with that comes a whole host of social pressure to have the right thing at the right time um, to fit in with other people. So, I mean, Tom, do you think those things are accurate or am I making them up? No, absolutely. I mean, I'm still using an iPhone SE, which if any of you don't know, it's a 6S in the body of a 5. And every every now and then when I whip it out in public, people say, 
what the hell is that? And they'll be like, oh, it's iPhone SE. And they don't remember iPhones being that small. And this model is like four years old. But already people are so used to the 7s, the 8s, the Xs, the 11s, like these like huge phones that are getting bigger and bigger and bigger that they think my phone's strange when you think it's exactly the same software. We have, you know, nearly all of the same functions. Okay, you have like a few extra ones. We have nearly all of the same functions. It's just that mine is a slightly older model. And then people have already forgot about it because they've probably owned three or four phones in the time that I've still owned this. You know, this is three years old in uh, February, I think. And it's it's starting to slow down, I must admit, and the battery life's not getting great, but it's completely functional. And I'm able to operate sort of day to day completely fine. But people get caught into this thing of just buying a new phone because they see everyone else has one. Yeah, and it's that's another thing of you you need to have or you're portrayed to have the the latest model of something, which of course comes at a price tag. And I think if you market it as it's thirty pounds a month as opposed to well, thirty pounds a month for the life of your contract, as opposed to a thousand pounds up front, um, it does kind of devalue it a little bit and you don't really understand how much you're spending unless, of course, you do the maths. And I also just like to yeah to point out Tom, that I've never bought a new phone ever. I always get hand-me-downs from my dad, who does buy new stuff. That's um, impressive. And I think that I kind of use that. I couldn't. I couldn't imagine spending nearly a month's salary on one one phone, even though I do use it every day. You could probably justify it if you divide the total cost by per minute that you use it. But that's kind of justifying it to yourself as well. And I think. Yeah, we've covered kind of the concepts around lifestyle inflation, what you should look for, uh, especially um, really consider the things you're buying as to whether you actually need them or you just want them. That's how delaying the gratification or the purchase can help. So if you think think you need something, wait a week, perhaps even longer if you can, uh, then purchase it if you truly think it will add value to your life. So Tom and I are just going to discuss a little bit about the steps you can do to combat lifestyle inflation. And hopefully some of you will find some value from it too. Yeah, I want to be careful about seeming like we're bashing consumerism. That fundamentally I'm not anti-consumerist. I just I'm probably slightly more conscious than your your average person in the UK. Agreed, um, good point. Yeah. And so instead of telling you what you shouldn't do, we thought it'd be it would it would add some value if we told you tips for for combating lifestyle inflation. And uh, to be honest, a lot of these are basic financial principles like personal finance principles that will help you achieve financial independence yeah tips for combating so the first tip we'd probably suggest for combating lifestyle inflation is to simply have a budget i do get asked quite a lot by friends colleagues etc to help them out with money um and my i always always ask them to bring me a copy of their budget and then we'll discuss it um and i would say 90 percent of them don't have one so that's always my first step come to create a budget see what you've got coming in to what you've got going out um, and then we can work on it i think without a budget you're not going to know whether your lifestyle is inflating or not because you've got nothing to market against so that would be tip number one create and stick to a budget uh tip number two it would be to assess the net impact of any raise that you receive what does that mean in layman's terms so essentially let's say you earn 30 about about thirty thousand pounds a year when you get a raise of £2,000, so you're now on 32 k great. A lot of people would think, oh, okay, I've got 2 k more, I can spend more money. But what you need to do is look at exactly how much money that turns out to be. 
in that tax band, you're going to be paying 20% tax, 12% NI, which is 32% of the gross salary is going to come off. So it's uh, £2,000, but you instantly lose a third of that. So you need to assess how much that actually is. And in the basic rate, um, sort of taxpayer zone, a £1,000 raise is the equivalent to around about £50 a month net. That's not really including any pension taken off or anything like that. And all of a sudden, you know, £1,000 a year sounds like a lot, but £50 a month, that's not a lot of money. That's what most people's phone contract costs them. So you need to assess how much this is actually going to be, how much you're going to come into your pocket, and that's going to help with your budget as well. You know exactly how much money is coming in, exactly where your money is going to go. Yeah, so that's a really important point is understanding exactly how much money you're going to get. You, you're not going to have the entirety of the uh, yeah the amount. So that that's another thing that can fool people. Um, tip number three is to increase your savings. So using Tom's example, if you do get that kind of pay rise, if you were to save that immediately, because you can live off the money you have been living off because you've been doing it. Um, if you were to save all of that and increase your savings rate, you can look at that as, well, I can reach financial independence a lot sooner. Uh, so that might mean you can cut a year off your working life. There are many online calculators that can show you how much time that can take off of your working life and because how much that will increase your total net worth by. And that can be a really powerful motivator to reassess kind of the, the extra money you have going in. Well, you could upgrade your car or you could spend another year doing whatever you like because you don't have to work anymore. So I think understanding the power of those, those additional savings is a really, yeah, really good motivator for making a smart choice with the money. That brings us on to tip number four, which is to declutter uh, the whole act of conmarrying, which comes from Marie Kondo, about decluttering your home and organising all your stuff, is very powerful for financial independence and personal finance as a whole. Because, and a lot of people wouldn't think so because it's not a direct financial impact but being able to sort out all the stuff you have in your home enables you to understand exactly what you have and what you need which is very important you know this whole idea of assessing how much money you need to live on each month this can be impacted massively by having to buy new things all the time because i don't know you might you might lose them or you might not realize that you can reuse things that you already own um you know for example if you have like a bicycle you could buy a brand new bike and that could easily save back like 300 quid to buy like a semi-decent bike or you could learn to repair your old one or take your old one to get fixed or something and save money that way so it's it's really important to organize your home understand like even small things like how many clothes you own like is it really necessary to start buying new shirts for work or going out or a new pair of shoes like there might be a pair of trainers or something that you can use instead of so you really need to properly organize everything in your home understand what you have and what you actually need to spend money on yeah agreed just before we go into the next one i think about buying clothes is if you're happy in your own skin and what you're wearing is anybody else really going to notice i mean i wear the same kind of pattern of clothes and i just switch up kind of shirts and trousers all the week when i go to work i've been doing it for at least six months nobody has mentioned it to me nobody said well why are you wearing the same trousers that you wore last week so uh, I think, yeah, it's an important thing to actually realise what other people will notice or what you're just being kind of self-conscious of. Uh, tip number five is thinking long-term about what saving that extra money now can do for you. 
that's where the beauty of compound interest comes in. The extra years you have that money saved and invested for can make a colossal difference to the amount of money you have for retirement, uh, whenever that may be. It can, again, it's understanding the impact having the extra money can have. And again, there are lots of calculators out there to show you that. So it's not even an an arduous task. You can just tap in an extra number, add a bit more to your savings rate. And if you're lucky, it'll even give you a graph as well. So that those are very kind of, it's kind of information always key there with that. Then tip number six is to consider, will your future self thank you for your actions? And that's just, it's going back to this idea of thinking about what you have and what you need. And then think about it in 20 years time, will you look back on that purchase and think, I'm really glad I bought that? Or will you completely forget you ever owned it? You know, is that money better off used to fund your retirement? Is that money better off used to, to, to travel or to, to buy an experience or something, which is probably a little bit more memorable? So it's, it's really understanding your wants and your needs and buying to fund those. I just agree with you on your, um, your thing about what your future self will thank you for. Will you remember kind of having the next model up of car that you were driving that costs you, I don't know, say £200 extra a month? Or would you prefer to have many extra £1,000 in your pension when you do come to retire? Uh, the choice is kind of obvious to me, but it may, may be different for other people. You can always uh, justify things if you want to. You, you, it can be done. But as always, we're not telling you what to do with your money. We're just giving you ideas so you ha- you're the most informed you can be. And that rounds up our tips, really, for combating lifestyle inflation. If any of you who are listening have any additional tips you think we've missed or anything that we've overlooked, either email us and one of us will remember our email address, put it below the in the show notes, or add a comment and just tell us what you think works, what doesn't work, or perhaps what's worked for you in the past. Uh, that could be very useful to share the knowledge and the experience. Yeah, I totally agree. And I hope that we've given you some useful advice so you can make some more informed decisions. So it's not about necessarily spending less, but it's about buying things which you've given reason to buy. So thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, buy things with intention, uh, be smart about it. And fairly soon, I'll give you an update on how my robot Hoover does. <laughs> Tom and I will see you in episode six. Thanks again. We'll see you later. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Financial Independence UK podcast. We hope you found it useful. If you have any questions or ideas for us, feel free to email at fi.ukpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time.